Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, the New Jersey Devils, how many goals will be scored, more than five, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN to bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Happy New Year, Devils fans, and what is going on? It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to another edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. And again, I want to wish you all a very happy new year. It's now the year 2023. This is the first episode of the calendar year 2023. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, I do want to say that I do apologize over the last couple of weeks if I haven't been as consistent with episodes and everything like that. You know, it's the holidays and everything like that. So um, it's not always easy to get episodes out, especially when you're obviously you want to spend a lot of time with family and friends. But uh, I hope you guys uh, understand that. And I do appreciate, as always, you guys um, supporting the podcast as always. And this podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by our wonderful friends, over at DraftKings Sportsbook. As always, they are giving you guys unbelievable opportunities to get in on huge cash prizes, especially with the NFL season coming to a close in the next week and change. And we're getting ready for the playoffs, which means higher stakes and even higher cash prizes. So if you want to get in on all this action, you go to DraftKings Sportsbook right now, you sign up, you use our promo code THPN, and as always, tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you. Once again, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil's State of Mind podcast. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, here is how today's episode is going to go down. Uh, first of all, we do have some relatively tough news to discuss, and it actually has nothing to do with hockey or the Devils, it, but it does revolve around the world of sports. And you guys know um, from episodes that I've done in the past where I like to also just, you know, be mindful of what's going on around us, both just, you know, as, as human beings and obviously in other things. And there are times where things are just bigger than sports, no matter where they are. So we're going to talk about that. I'm also going to be giving you guys my perspective of my experience of being at the 2023 NHL Winter Classic. I'm currently recording this uh, at my cousin's house uh my cousins were nice enough to let me stay with them uh here in massachusetts and uh, i'm actually recording this several hours after being at fenway park for the 2023 nhl winter classic between the pittsburgh penguins and boston bruins and so we'll we'll have a little fun discussing that experience and what i was able to and if you follow me on twitter at devil state and also on instagram at devil state of mind you were able to see a little bit of glimpse of what I was able to, uh, from my perspective, what I was able to see at the game. And we are going to recap the previous two games that the Devils played to wrap up the calendar year. Uh, well, to wrap up the calendar year of 2022, and then obviously the first game back on uh, New Year's Day um, against the Carolina Hurricanes. And then we'll finish up with just looking uh, ahead to the rest of the week. And, uh, also, guys, I know I haven't been doing this a whole lot recently. I know the World Juniors is going on right now, and I'm going to have a big recap of that once it's over. So we'll have that. We'll also, um, I will get the opportunity in the near future to do some updates for the Utica Comets, Adirondack Thunder, and the Metropolitan Riveters. So make sure you guys stick around for those as well and continue to subscribe to the Devil State of Mind podcast. So. As always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast, so let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So like I said before, we're going to kick things off with uh, obviously not the, the best of circumstances. Um, and uh, like I said, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that uh, I like to be very mindful of what's going on in the world of sports. I'm a sports broadcaster after all, so I keep my eyes on every single sport, not just a game of hockey, although that's my number one sport. But uh, I'm recording this episode on the night of uh, Monday, January 2nd, and it's a little bit before 11 p.m. And over the last hour and a half, we've had a pretty scary moment that happened in tonight's Monday night football game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. It was uh, projected to be a very big-time matchup between two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, respectively. And all of that was put aside um, in the second quarter because uh, a player by the name of DeMar Hamlin, who plays for the Buffalo Bills, made a tackle on Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. Now, he got up, and at first everything seemed fine, but just several seconds after he got up after making that tackle, he lost all control of his entire body, fell back, and did not wake up. And we've seen injuries like this before in sports where it, it – and it's a very scary thing no matter what the circumstance is. But the thing that made this a lot scarier was the fact that the NFL had to send people out there to perform CPR on this young man um, while he – you know, while players were still on the field. 
And if you watch the players' reactions, you could tell how horrified they were, how scared they were, how concerned they were for this guy. And eventually he was uh, he was transferred to the ambulance, which was brought onto the field. And he was um, transferred to one of the local hospitals in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, at the time of this recording, the NFL has actually postponed the rest of the Monday Night Football game. So it is not happening right now as I'm recording this episode. And uh, as of just a couple of minutes ago, if I can actually um, bring this up, um, Jordan Rooney, who is actually the um, marketing rep and very good friend of Harmon, tweeted this at around 1030, so just about 20 minutes ago. He said, update on DeMar. His vitals are back to normal, and they have put him to sleep to put a breathing tube down his throat. They are currently running tests. We will provide updates as we have them. So currently, after the NFL had said that he was in critical condition, it sounds like we got a little bit of positive news that his, you know, his vitals are are back to normal and that he is at the moment a little bit stable. Um, and again, we obviously don't know exactly what happened. We don't know if it was cardiac arrest or something like that. The funny thing is that when you look at the play that happened when he when he made the tackle, it did, he didn't get hit in the head. He got hit kind of like in the chest. So that's kind of the thing you I think you immediately look to that something happened in that moment that put him in that position to obviously um, almost look like he was going to cardiac arrest. I mean, the fact that they had to perform CPR to save this, this young man's life. I mean, he almost died on the football field. I mean, you hear stories like that, but when you see it on national television, it is a very, very scary thing. So right now, yeah, I mean, that there isn't a whole lot other than the update I just gave you guys from his marketing rep. There isn't a whole lot else to uh, to go by. So with that being said, um, as always, thoughts and prayers are to uh, DeMar Harmon and his mother, who was actually at the game. I'm sure he's she's with him now in the hospital. And uh, all we can do is just pray and hope that uh, he can recover from this, obviously survive and be able to move forward with his life. Um, and a lot of different... Um, you know, a lot of different sports teams of different sports in general actually have uh, constantly been reaching out um, and sending their condolences, which is great. And this includes the New Jersey Devils, who said uh, they actually quote, quote tweeted the Buffalo Sabres tweet uh, with their own saying. They, the, the devil said human life is bigger than a game. We have sincere care and concern for this young man and his family in this difficult moment thinking of the Buffalo sports community. So I'm glad that the Devils uh, obviously recognize the situation as a lot of uh, professional sports teams have over the last hour and a half and obviously sent out um, their prayers and everything. And I think that that's, uh, I think that really is tremendous. Um, I think it is um, not obviously, you know, not every sports team has done this, but then again, not every sports team may know exactly what's going on in this moment. Um, but it is, it is important to uh, that that they did that, so I'm glad that they did. Also, I do want to um, I want to make this point. I, I want to share this with you guys really, really quickly, and I'll probably share it as a link um, on my episode. Um, Damar Hamlin actually has a GoFundMe for his charity, um, which is called Daycare Center at 800 Russellwood Ave in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. 
the area code is 15136. Um, and let me just quickly give you the uh, thing here. Um, Hamlin wrote in his um, in his GoFundMe thing, he says, as I embark on my NFL journey, I will never forget where I, I come from and I'm committed to using my platform to positively impact the community that raised me. I created the Chasing M's Foundation as a vehicle that will allow me to deliver that impact. And the first program is the 2020 Community Toy Drive. So we've had this for about two years now. This campaign gives you the opportunity to, to contribute to our first initiative and positively impact children who have been hardest hit by the pandemic. 100 plus of the 100% of the funds, excuse me, raised will go towards the purchase of toys for kids in need. The time to act is now, as we will be distributing toys on December 22nd from 3.30 to 5.30. All this information was from before. Um, so yeah, and at the moment, um, the goal was to raise uh, $2,500 and the toy, the, the, the entire toy drive itself, it's already well over that, uh, especially over the last hour and a half. It is currently at $783,976 with somebody literally just donating $32,800 to it. So like I said, I will share this GoFundMe page in the um, in the comment section um, of this episode. And, uh, you know, again, you don't have to, you know, donate or anything involved. But even if you share it, it goes a long way. I've been sharing in a double state of mind um, because at the end of the day, this is a human being. This is a human being first and an athlete second. Uh, this person right now is fighting for their life. You know, I look at myself. I'm just sitting here recording a podcast episode and doing what I get doing what I love and I'm healthy. I'm happy. And this person right now woke up this morning, not knowing that he was going to be in 12 hours or whatever the case may be fighting for his life, trying to get that extra breath to give himself a chance to walk out of that hospital and be able to continue on with his life. And, you know, sports is such a physical demanding sport, no matter what sport you play, it's a very dangerous sport. And these things unfortunately do happen and um you know it's it's a very very unfortunate thing and it's it's a scary thing as well so again we don't have any information any new information other than what i gave you again from the marketing rep um and that's kind of the way that i that's kind of the way that, I, that we have it right now but I, I did want to share that i think it's important and i know that i have a relatively big platform with a lot of you guys listening from all over the world so I wanted to share it with you so that you know what's going on and understand again that at the end of the day, we're here to talk about sports and obviously have a good time talking about it and everything like that. But there are things like what just happened that are much bigger than sports. And uh, again, our thoughts and prayers are with Damar Harmon and uh, his mom, the entire family during this incredibly difficult time. And um, I'm really hoping that by the time you guys listen to this episode and by the time um, I wake up tomorrow, um, that Harmon will be okay and that uh, we can go from there. But again, also in regards to the game itself, it is not continuing tonight. It has been postponed and it has been postponed until further notice. So we will see what happens um, over the next um, 24 hours. I would probably say 24, 48 hours. I would imagine more things will uh, come to light as we go on here. Um, but yeah, just wanted to talk about that really quickly. Uh, and just to get prayers up to uh, Tamar Harmon right now during this incredibly scary and obviously difficult time. So I really don't know how to, you know, segue to something a lot more 
positive after that. I was kind of debating whether I wanted to, A, if I wanted to talk about this topic at all on the podcast, but since I was already sharing a bunch on social, I felt like I got to be consistent. Um, the second thing obviously was, did I want to talk about this first or did I want to wait till the end to talk about this? And uh, you never, you don't really know how you're going to, you know, segue or how you're going to fit it in where it kind of works uh, with the rest of the episode. But I'm going to try uh, to give you guys a little bit more of a uh, positive thing to talk about. And that is the fact that, like I said before, at the beginning of this episode, I am currently in Massachusetts and I just attended the 2023 NHL Winter Classic. It was the third outdoor game that I've had the chance to go to. The first one was the stadium series game between the Devils and Rangers back in 2014. I then attended the 2018 NHL Winter Classic between the Rangers and Sabres at City Field in Queens, New York. And now I got a chance to go to this outdoor game, the Winter Classic at Fenway Park between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. And from the game itself, it was a tremendous game, low scoring. Both goaltenders were tremendous, especially with the fact that Casey DeSmith had to come in for an injured Tristan Jari. And I don't really have any update on Jari, so I guess we'll see what happens with that. But the Penguins struck first on a goal by Kasperi Kapanen in the second period. But then the Bruins, you know, as they've been doing all year long, found a way to come back and get the win on, on home ice, technically speaking, thanks to both goals coming from Jake DeBrusque, uh, including the second one with about three minutes, three minutes, almost two minutes to go, actually, in the game. And the Bruins came away with a two-to-one win in regulation against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the crazy thing was, the Penguins had scored. Evgeny Malkin appeared to have scored the tying goal, but it came just a second after the clock struck zero. So he was just a second behind, potentially having a dramatic uh, game-tying goal, which would have sent the game to overtime. And but But it didn't happen, and the Bruins found a way to win the game. And it was an exciting game. It was a really good game. Uh, and obviously it's good from the Devils for the perspective of the Penguins are still now five points behind the Devils currently um, in the standings. Um, obviously there's a couple teams in front of the Penguins, but again, just up, just to see, you know, your Metropolitan Division uh, rivals, you know, lose games and drop points and to keep you where you are in the standings is obviously important. So for me, I was clearly cheering for the Bruins to win this game in regulation. I actually wore my Devils. Uh, red, uh, green, red, and white reverse retro jersey, which you guys have seen on social. I had a bunch of people definitely cheer like, oh yeah, let's go Devils. Some people are curious to know why a Devils fan is at the Winter Classic and things like that. Um, but it was a great experience. Uh, and for me, it was the first time I had ever gone to a sporting event at Fenway Park. I had been to Fenway Park before um, for you know just a tour like about nine years ago. But this was the first time I got a chance to go to a sporting event at Fenway Park, and it was an absolutely wonderful experience. I was out in the right field stands, um, so I wasn't the 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 ice was eye level to me, so it was a little bit hard to see. A lot of time, you had to look behind you to the big jumbo trying to watch the game. But I I tried to watch as much as I could on the ice to get that authentic experience, and I still saw everything, so it was great. And the the the, the people who were in charge of this did a fantastic job. You had the Black Keys performing uh, during the first intermission, which was really cool. You had uh, one of the top Boston orchestra bands performing a lot of different classical musics. They sang Sweet Caroline, which is a classic thing to sing at the seventh inning stretch of Red Sox games. Um, they had a really cool ceremony at the beginning with a bunch of 
famous Boston sports figures. Uh, from the Red Sox, it was Jason Veritek and Tim Wakefield. Um, and from the Bruins, it was uh, Busick, non-Busick, I think, Busick, uh, Zdeno Chara, and Bobby Orr. And what was really cool is that Bobby Orr shot a puck at Jason Veritek, who's a catcher for the Red, who was a catcher for the Red Sox, as kind of like a first pitch puck um, to kind of get the game underway. So that was a really, really cool experience. I thought that was great. We had a flyover with Jets, and it was incredibly loud but awesome. Uh, and it wasn't even really that cold. It was just over 50 degrees. So nobody was complaining really about being cold either. So it was a really, really awesome experience. I'm, I'm really, I'm really fortunate that I got the chance to go to this game. Um, it obviously makes me hopeful and excited for the possibility, maybe down the road that the Devils could get another outdoor game, not necessarily winter classic, but stadium series is always a possibility. Um, and we've had an episode about this before, about potential venues, MetLife Stadium, Red Bull Arena, SH, SHI Stadium, home of the um, University of Rutgers or Rutgers University football team, you know, different opportunities. And I'm hoping that the Devils get an opportunity. I know for a fact that I will be at that one 1000%. Uh, we did also get word from the rumors we knew we we heard these rumors and then we got confirmation that the 2024 nhl winter classic will be in seattle the home of the most recent nhl expansion team the seattle kraken taking on the second most recent expansion team and that is the vegas golden knights and i think that game will actually be played at the home of the seattle mariners their baseball team so I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to go, but I'm definitely thinking about potentially going there. Uh, my boss at the Hockey Podcast Network actually lives in Vancouver Islands, so it may be a possibility, maybe an opportunity for me to go there, finally meet him in person, and obviously get a chance to go to the Winter Classic, which would be cool. So I got a whole year to kind of plan that out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But overall, once again, the Winter Classic was everything you could have imagined, bringing back the old roots of, you know, hockey and things like that. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And I'm so, I'm so glad that I got the chance. I'm one of the lucky people um, to, uh, to go to this, to go to this game. And uh, I'm excited to obviously get home and obviously continue to, um, to cover the Devils. But I, I'm really glad as a hockey fan, I got to a chance to experience this type of thing. So that was my experience at the 2023 NHL Winter Classic. And, uh, you know, hoping for many more exciting ones like that in the future. And obviously hoping that the Devils in the near future with the excitement around the team and the talent that we have and being a team that could really make some noise for years to come, that maybe our popularity gets enough where we get an outdoor game in the very near future. So we'll see. So the next thing I wanted to do is quickly... Uh, which usually I don't, but since it's been a handful of games since the last time you heard my voice, I'm going to quickly go through the last three games that the Devils have played um, since the last episode. So we start with the game on the 28th, last Wednesday, against the Boston Bruins. It was the first game back from the Christmas break, and it was uh, the second of the, again, weird back-to-back against this Bruins team at home. So after the Devils, you know, they fought back, lost a tough one at the end to the Bruins in the first matchup. I, I felt relatively confident the Devils would have a better response in this one. 
Um, and they certainly did from a defensive perspective and also from a goaltending. They went to Vitek Vanacek in this one. And the Devils, unfortunately, the offense just wasn't there. They were really, really trying to get this one going. They were down one nothing going into the third, but Nico Heischer was able to tie it at one. And I felt like in that moment, you felt like, okay, the Devils now got it going here. Let's go. But then a nice deflection goal by Patrice Bergeron, you know, a couple minutes after that, I feel like took the wind out of the Devils' sails. And then to add insult to injury and to kind of get some poetic justice, I guess, Pavel Zaka in his return to New Jersey got himself an empty net goal. So we got a little bit of uh, revenge on that one. And uh, the Devils ended up dropping this one three to one. So they end up losing both games to the Bruins at home in that little span. And I mean, again, at the end of the day, the positives you can take away from those games is that the Devils just fought back. You know, they were down four to one going into the third period in the first matchup and made it four to three and almost tied the game, which would have been crazy. The second one, I felt like, like I said before, defensively and goaltending was certainly better and they, they fought. And I mean, a lot of Bruins fans afterwards were telling me, you know, hey, you guys put up a hell of a fight. You know, you guys are a really, really good team. And it makes me feel better that you're getting those type of compliments from other teams around the other fan bases of other teams around the league. And I'm sure maybe that's kind of the feeling from the players of other teams. Um, but at the end of the day, as we've all experienced Devils fans, we know how many times we get the moral victories and things like that. Uh, and we don't get the results. And at the end of the day, we're in a results based business you know we're we need to start winning these games and it's it's frustrating when you're not winning these games and you're not scoring a whole lot um it makes everything seem a lot worse even with the devil still very much in the thick of things when it comes to the playoffs so again frustrating loss um and the devils knew that their next couple of games were going to be big against metropolitan division foes and that starts with the game on friday december 30th in pittsburgh against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And let me just say this really quickly. That was the worst refereeing game I have ever seen. And this was after the fact that we had the debacle a month and change ago against the, against the Leafs when our winning streak came to an end, if we all remember that one. But this one was even worse because there was an absurd amount of penalties and i don't really know why that was the case i really really don't know what that was all about and if you think about it there were four in the first period one two three four five six seven in the second period and then another three in the third period so overall you are looking at a total of 14 penalties which is absolutely ridiculous. And most of them were against the Devils. In fact, nine of the 14 were. But despite that, the Devils, with a lot of resilience and a lot of belief that they could turn this around, were able to get a massive win on the road in Pittsburgh in regulation, beating the Penguins 4-2, to thanks to a big-time second period in which the Devils scored three goals. And uh, that was big. It was absolutely massive because 
it felt like at times during this game that the Devils were just not, again, it was going to be another, well, we just didn't get it done, and that's that's it is what it is. But the Devils fought through all that adversity, and the fact that the penalty kill went nine for nine was a phenomenal job by Frank McGill, by Ryan McGill and also just the defenseman on the ice for that game. Just tremendous, absolutely tremendous job that they were able to 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 do as well as they did with guys like Crosby, Mulkin, Gensel, all those guys playing on the power play, and the Devils were able to do what they needed to do to get the win. And uh, Vitek Vanacek, very very strong in net overall, really did a good job stopping twenty five of twenty of twenty seven shots. Devils only outshot the Penguins twenty eight twenty seven, but really were able to get themselves going and they were able to get some goals, which was important. You know, and obviously I wasn't thrilled about the turnover that Dougie Hamilton had uh, resulted in the first goal, uh, breakaway goal by Malkin. Um, but again, the Devils showed resilience and uh, just would not allow themselves to get rattled from that as they scored three goals in the, in the second period. Jack Hughes, Dougie Hamilton, and Nico Heischer, with Nico Heischer's goal being ended up being the GWG as a shorthanded goal, mind you. We scored on the power play and on the penalty kill. So our special teams was a big factor in winning that game. Jack Hughes becomes the first 20-goal scorer on the team, getting his second of the game and on that empty netter. Although I would have liked to have seen Eric Hollis shoot in, probably get a goal, just so that he can feel like he got himself a goal. But nonetheless, the Devils found a way to get back in the wind column. And more importantly, they wanted a regulation on the road against a divisional opponent in the Penguins. So that is tremendous. And it's crazy how we nearly went the first three months without having, without playing the Penguins. I don't know what is up with this scheduling nonsense. It's so weird. It's so weird, but it's a great job by the Devils to finish the calendar year of 2022, getting that win, getting back in the win calm and giving yourself some confidence going into a big time matinee matchup on New Year's Day against the nine-win-in-a-row Carolina Hurricanes. And you go into that game against Carolina, and you knew how big it was. You knew this was an opportunity to end a long winning streak for the Hurricanes, who have just been on a roll, just like we were in November. They've been like that in December. It's just been a month uh, plus of just pure dominance by them. And, And understandably so, considering how good they are, Everybody expects them to do what they're doing right now, which I get. But this was a big chance to kind of get the calendar year of 2023 off on the right foot, get some confidence with this game at home, um, and try to win back-to-back games for the first time in a while, which, you know, it's crazy how long it's been since last time we won two in a row. That shows you again how much we have really struggled over the past month. And things... Uh, obviously got off to a not so, um, well, I would say this. It was a really solid first period, although, again, the Hurricanes really, really were able to open things up uh, against us when it came to the neutral zone. Like right at center ice, we just seemed to pinch way too much, and that leads to too many odd man rushes coming the other way, and that really hurts us. And I thought with obviously the big news being Ryan Graves coming off of the injured reserve list after it looked like he was going to be out several weeks, 
you know, Graves said all of a sudden he just started feeling better. And so this was the first game that he was back. So we're starting to get a little bit healthier, which is important. Um, you know, Graves, I think, helped out a little bit in that sense. And we go to the second period, Derek Stepan scored a goal on a two on one. I mean, not much the Blackwood could do on that one. Uh, that gave them the one nothing lead. But then Jack Hughes was able to tie it on a nice, you know, backhand shot, which was able to tie the game up at one, getting his 21st of the year, which was absolutely massive. And what's also great about that, you know, for Jack Hughes is that he also did make a, himself a milestone uh, in that game. So Jack Hughes actually, with that goal, ended up uh, reaching 150 career points in just 203 career games, which is Really incredible considering how much time he's missed uh, in his still relatively short career for him to already have 150 points. I mean, this, again, shows you how much of a superstar he is. And, and that goal that he scored to tie the game was absolutely nasty. It was a classic, what I call a very classic Jack Hughes goal. It was really phenomenal uh, in that sense. Uh, so that was great. And I do also want to kind of take a step back for a really quick second back to the Pittsburgh game, only because... Another milestone happened in that game against Pittsburgh in which Dougie Hamilton uh, on an assist on the Jack Hughes goal, the first one, got his 400th career point. So a couple of big milestones over the last two games for this New Jersey Devils team, which is absolutely phenomenal that they've been able to do so. But going back to this game, uh, the big thing comes right after about less than two minutes later. Uh, the Devils are on the power play. It's a great opportunity to get themselves a chance to grab the lead. Devils have the puck at center ice. And Jack Hughes, with a really bad turnover, allows Sebastian Ajo to get the puck. It was just out of Ajo's reach. Blackwood comes out of his net to play the puck. He whiffs on the pass. Ajo easily takes it from him and fires it into an empty net. To score, it's two to one Hurricanes on a shorthanded goal. And this is what I've talked about before about why Mackenzie Blackwood can be so Jekyll and Hyde. Because one minute he can make a tremendous save, and the next minute he gives up a bad goal like that. Was it entirely Blackwood's fault? No, because again, really bad turnover by Jack Hughes in the in this right at center ice. And Dougie Hamilton just not fast enough to get to that puck. I feel like he was way too far up in the play. I mean, we do pinch a lot. So that's going to end up being the bad news about that situation. So, again, not really ideal in that in that whole situation. So it's it's two to one to, uh, Hurricanes going into the third period. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, I really hope we don't lose two to one in that type of play ends up being the reason we lose because knowing us Devils fans, I know how we were going to react to the whole situation. But we get to the third period, and excuse my language, it was balls to the walls. I mean, both teams came out and really got it rolling. It started with Jesper Bratt, just a little over six minutes in, kind of weaving his way around a defender. He takes a shot going five-hole, beating Auntie Ranta. Jesper Bratt getting finally back on the scoreboard. He gets his 13th of the year, and the Devils tie it at two. But that lasted less than two minutes as Derek Stepan, basically in the same way he scored the first one, got his second of the game. And mind you, he came into this game with only two goals on the entire season. So not ideal. But he gets his second of the game. It's three to two. 
But then Nico Heischer, about 30 seconds later, with a nice backhand tuck behind the net, was able to beat Ronta to tie the game up at three. So just back and forth, back and forth. About five minutes after that, Jesper Bratt, he comes in, gets a nice dump off pass with Dougie Hamilton, takes a shot through the center of the ice, beating Auntie Ronta right there and just squeaked past him and in. Brack getting his second of the game, 14th of the year. And the Devils, with just a little bit more than six minutes to go in the game, have the lead. And in, and in that moment, I'm saying to myself, we're going to win this game. This team is starting to finally break out of it offensively and start getting going again. We're going to win this game. But unfortunately, a couple of really stupid penalties. Once again, thanks to, um, thanks to the wonderful refereeing of Mr. Justin Key. And if you remember Justin Key, he was the head referee of that infamous Leafs game back in late November. I'm sure you all you lovely Devils fans remember that one. Yeah, he called a couple of pretty dumb penalties towards the end of this one, allowing um, the Hurricanes to score on a power play, thanks to Martin Nietzsche with just about four and a half minutes to go in the game. And that was that, as we ended up being tied after three periods of play. So the Devils got themselves a point. Unfortunately, they allowed a divisional opponent to get another point on them. But now an opportunity to try to get that second point uh, in overtime. And to be honest with you, offensively, the Devils didn't do a whole lot, lot in that overtime. But Mackenzie Blockwood made two great saves on two different breakaways for the Hurricanes as he kept the Devils in the position to still try to go win the game. But five minutes wasn't enough. And for the first time all season long, the Devils would play in a shootout. And this was the, and it took us 37 games to get to this point. I don't know if the Devils were the last team that hadn't played in the shootout, but for them to almost go the entirety of the first half of the season without playing in a shootout is pretty remarkable. And I will pretty much save you, I will spare you the details as the Devils did literally nothing in the shootout um, as they went 0 for 3. Andrei Svechnikov scored the only goal. And the Devils lost the game 5-4 to four in a shootout. And it was frustrating in the sense of the Devils for years now have been abysmal in the shootout. And I didn't feel all that uh, confident that we were going to win the game in the shootout. And their attempts were pretty poor. I mean, Jack Hughes, even his shot, just he took a shot that went right into the chest of Auntie Ronta. It wasn't even that good of a shot. So, I mean, if you want to say that Tatar had the best opportunity on that deke, Okay, but even still, it wasn't that great of a shot. So, yeah, the Devils end up dropping this one 5-4. to four. It sucks because we lose again at home, which we have been really struggling uh, to win games at home right now. Um, and it's funny, if you look at the shots on goal, it was 47-28 to 28 Carolina. So, in some degree, we were kind of getting outplayed. But in the third period, the Devils really woke up. And I think what's one, one of the positives you can take away is that the Devils – uh, in the last uh, three games combined, have scored a total of 11 goals. Um, excuse me, have scored a total of um, nine goals. Excuse me, I apologize for that. Nine goals. So there's a positive there that this team is actually starting to um, to get their offense back. 
And if their offense can get back with the defense improving a little bit and goaltending trying to get more stable again, there's a really good chance that we could, you know, finally get back to winning games consistently. So getting three out of a possible four points against two divisional opponents, I think is very important. And uh, obviously it gives the Devils, at least what we can hope, some confidence. So Devils right now, 23-11-3, 10 games over 500. Good for 49 points, currently seven points behind the first-place Carolina Hurricanes. They are two points ahead of the third-place Washington Capitals and three points behind, uh, three points ahead of the fourth-place New York Rangers. So overall, still in a relatively good position, and the Devils are now uh, alone as the sixth-best team points-wise in the NHL with 49 points. Um, so overall, even with that crazy losing streak and everything like that, we're still in a relatively good position. And I think when you look ahead, which we will in a second, I think if you look ahead to the rest of the, if you look at the schedule, there's a lot of winnable games coming up for the Devils in this month of January. So let's take a look at that. So it starts with uh, Wednesday night's game in Detroit against the Red Wings. It's the first of a back-to-back, actually. And then the very next night, it's a Thursday night home game against the very depleted St. Louis Blues. So those are two games right there that the Devils, in my opinion, should win. And... um I'd like to see them win. So that would be great. Then the Devils have that big game Saturday afternoon, one o'clock at the Rock against the Rangers. And then they play Carolina again in Carolina next Tuesday. And then they go on a uh, four game West Coast road trip, Anaheim, LA, San Jose, and then Seattle. Then you have Pittsburgh at home on the 22nd. And then you have Vegas at home on the 24th. And then you go Nashville and Dallas back-to-back on the 26th and 27th. And that is the entirety of the month of January. And we'll come back to this as we go through more episodes. So the Devils actually play only five home games this um, this calendar month. So they'll be on the road a lot more this month. And they'll have a lot of days off too. They have, I think they have more off days than they do games this year. But I, again... A lot of those games I mentioned, there's a lot of winnable games there. You have some big games against divisional opponents. You have three more divisional opponent games this this month with the Rangers, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. Two of those games are at home. So overall, this could be a month that if the Devils look at it and say, we can win a lot of these games, this could be a month that the Devils can really get themselves rolling again. And when you think about it, knowing how things can really start to take shape once you hit February – you know, you're hoping that the Devils can finish with a winning record in this month and go from there. So the Devils, you know, they have a couple of days off, you know, Monday and then Tuesday and then into Wednesday. And, um, you know, hopefully they can get themselves some wins here. So overall, you know, a pretty solid way to end and then begin calendar months. And uh, we'll see if the Devils can start winning some more games and get themselves back on a on somewhat of winning streak. Just keep it going here. So. Again, we shall see what happens.